Today, maybe a bit of an ordinary story. Um, a meal, right? Everyone eats meals every day. But this one matters, right? Something about this meal is a turning point, not just for Levi, but I hope by the end we'll see for the disciples and maybe even the Pharisees. But why don't I start this morning with a story of another ordinary occurrence, uh, going to the toilet. You know, I've seen some of you wandering in at the back, going to the toilet, we all do it, it's absolutely normal. And for most of us, we don't even think about it. And I'm at the conference in Belfast, I got to go to the 24 seven prayer gathering. And I go into the toilet, not thinking about it, sit down, don't know what you do, probably got my phone out if I remember rightly. Youth try and get more personal, they ask scrunch or fold if you go to youth church. Um, but anyway, it's all normal, just you know, normal bog standard, excuse the pun, day. Um, and then I hear something that goes, that makes me think, oh, maybe this isn't right. Um, I hear the voice of a woman. And his heart starts to beat a bit faster and you go, well, there weren't any rhinos when I walked in, but I've seen that before. That's, you know, sometimes, and yes, there's a sanitary bin next to me. I've seen that before in some toilets too. Um, you don't often hear the voice of a woman, and that kind of makes three things that you go, oh no, I'm not where I think I am. <laughs> I'm not in the men's loose. <laughs> um, and yeah, I'm not going to tell you about my escape plan or any of the rest of that, but it was just this moment of this woman's voice, and you go, oh. I'm not where I think I am. And I think for some of us today, Jesus at some point is going to say something to you, either through this story or something else, and you're going to go, okay, maybe this isn't an everyday story. And just recognize that moment and, and hold on to it until we come to the end and we respond. So when listening to this story that Penny read for us and preparing yourself for the sermon, what was your initial expectation of what I might say? If I'm honest about the first time I read it through, I'm kind of expecting Jesus has sinners over for dinner. We should have sinners over for dinner. Right? We should invite more people into our home. We want to be like Jesus, right? Jesus had sinners over for dinner, so the outcome is we should have sinners over for dinner. That was a quick sermon. We can get back to the worship now. Well done. But then I thought about it, and I thought, think about all these characters that are there, the disciples the tax collectors, the Pharisees, the sinners. This isn't a one-dimensional story. And, and I think, I'm not Jesus. I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner. Why do I not think I'm the one getting invited to dinner? Maybe some of you thought that way to start with. Like, this is about Jesus calling me to follow him. But I really want to be more like Jesus. And so when I read this book, I'm often trying to figure out how to do that. And so I can sometimes forget that um, I'm not always meant to put myself in the shoes of Jesus as I try to figure out how to be like him. So this morning, why don't we shift that a little bit and let's look from a few different perspectives and try to figure out where we see ourselves and what we can learn. So let's start with Levi. Now we know a bit about Levi, otherwise known as Matthew, the author of Matthew. He was a tax collector and he has this little tax booth down by the lake and he's doing work for the Romans, but he wouldn't be a Roman because Jews would attack Romans. They weren't very happy about these foreign rulers' taxes. Can't see why, but there you go. And they wouldn't attack other Jews. So this is like a franchise, like the Romans have outsourced it to Levi, who is a Jew, and he's gonna work on their behalf. 
And all of the Jews are thinking, this guy, like, what is he doing selling himself out for the Romans? Um, He's a Jew, but he's doing this job Jews are really unhappy about. And he was probably skimming some off the top too. You know, some of the taxes were set, but others you kind of got to decide. And so you're just charging a little bit more. And since the lake is mentioned at the beginning of the story, most people think this is probably to collect taxes from fishermen as they bring the catch in. A traitorous, despised Jewish fisherman taxer. That's who Lewis Levi is. And names are important in the first century. The name Levi is not a mistake. It means that he would have been a Levite from the tribe of the priests. And it's likely his parents were hoping, hey, we'd really like you to go on to become a priest. Levi had probably had the opportunity to follow God as a priest to devote his life to him. And instead, he chose something else. Paid really well by the Roman authorities with the chance to take a little bit extra on the top. The opportunity to accumulate more and more until he could get that house that he wanted. And he could charge the fisherman a little bit extra if he wasn't, you know, he'd seen a nice vase in the town, for example, that week. Just a little bit more, no one will notice. And he probably got what he wanted. He has all of the tax collectors, all of the sinners around. It's not a small house that he finds himself in. But at what cost? He's utterly despised by the Jews seen as deeply sinful, to the point where even having dinner with him could tarnish a good person's reputation. He'd started by going away from God a little bit, but you know, how far away from his priestly line do you think he is now? How far away do you feel this morning? Maybe there's a time, if you think back into your life, where as a teenager or the back of a really good new wine conference, you're like, I'm going to sell everything. I'm going to be a missionary. I'm going to go somewhere and do something. I'm going to, when I get back from this conference, I'm going to get way more involved in church. And then the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth, as Jesus put it in the parable of the seeds, choke it. You couldn't say when, but you look at it now and you think, maybe I do just want the big house or the stable career, even if it's a Roman payroll. Or maybe you've never known God. And in fact, the religious types have mocked you and told you what a mess you are. There's no hope for you unless you do all of this, unless you fix all this, you do all this, this rule and that rule, go to church every Sunday, read the Bible every day. And Levi is sat there in this tax booth. And maybe he can hear Jesus off in the distance giving some teaching. And he's curious, but he feels like the chance in his life has passed. You know, he's done this to himself. These were his own choices. And the the Levi, the despised Jewish fisherman taxer, sits in his booth. And this teacher does something different to all of the other Jews and teachers of the law who probably spat at him. And he comes over. And there's something different. He looks kind. And he comes straight up to him, all the way up to the booth. And he doesn't criticize and he doesn't condemn. He doesn't say anything about Levi. He just says, follow me. And the next thing he does, goes to Levi's house and has friends with Levi, has dinner with Levi's friends. He doesn't ask him to change anything straight away. He just says, follow me. And Jesus invites him to follow him. But we know from the rest of the book that Levi goes on to be one of the 12 disciples. 
I mean, if the Pharisees are worried about Jesus just eating with this man, imagine what they're going to say when they find out Jesus is going to spend the rest of his teaching on him. He's going to intentionally invest and disciple this guy. And that's the thing we learn, right? That it's not the healthy that need a doctor. And it's not the perfect Jesus chooses to use. So no matter how you've been living, no matter what you've been pursuing, how unworthy or put down you feel, how uncomfortable or comfortable in a big house from dishonest gain, there's an invitation to dinner today. You don't have to become a transformed person overnight. You don't have to follow a long list of rules. A changed life is inevitable if you follow Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit into your life. Jesus has started out with Levi and he's continuing with you to invite you to do something amazing in your life. And it doesn't matter if so far you haven't lived up to the expectation, a name placed upon you by your parents. Maybe it's all gone wrong up until now, whoever you are. Whatever you've done, Jesus wants you to. He did not come to call the healthy, but the sick. He did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So when you think of Levi, remember that no matter who you are, Jesus is saying, come follow me. Let's keep listening to this story. Because that might not have resonated for everyone. Let's think about someone else. How about Peter? Anyone remember Peter, the disciple? He was called by Jesus to follow him in the last chapter. They've had a pretty good thing going. They've seen some incredible healings, demons cast out, people start to follow the cause. There are only four named disciples by this point, and they're all fishermen. And so they're having a good time. It's Jesus and his crew of fishermen. And what do you think Peter and his friends think of the despised Jewish fisherman taxer? It was by the Sea of Galilee that Jesus called Peter, and it's by the Sea of Galilee where we find Levi's tax booth. What do you think he's going to say when he finds out who Jesus is taking them to dinner with? Wouldn't you like to be a fly on the wall? I mean, you can imagine a conversation a bit like this. Hey, um... Jesus, Jesus, I'm I'm glad I caught you. I know we're on our way to Levi's, but it's okay if you didn't know. He's actually not a good guy. Um, You actually really don't want to believe it. Like, he is the worst. Honestly, look, Jesus, we've just been teaching. There's a whole crowd of people back there. In fact, there's Gerald. I I can see Gerald. Gerald, honestly, Gerald and I grew up together. Sound guy, Gerald. He's a fisherman as well. Um, He'd be a much better choice. Actually, he's just going to fit that group dynamic a bit better, Jesus, with us and all the other fishermen. Just going to work out a bit better. We've got a good thing going here, Jesus. Now, the Bible doesn't record that conversation for some reason. Um, But you know when you've got a criticism to share and you're looking for someone, who who here is going to agree with this criticism I have about someone? Who, who do you go to? Someone that's going to be like, or someone that's going to be like, looking like they're going to agree. Who is it the Pharisees go up to and say, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? The disciples. So I can imagine Peter and the other disciples are not having the best dinner of their life. Their face is showing what they're not saying. And um, Levi might not have been the exact one taxing them, but let's remember this is many tax collectors. So it's a bit of a catch-all. The one that was mean to them is probably there. 
And having imagined the Pharisees' reaction when they find out Jesus is going to stay the rest of his time with Levi, what do you think Peter's reaction was when he finds out he's going to be one of the twelve? If we think about Christian community, we often think about Jesus and 12 disciples, right? The guys that hung out with him in the flesh, spent all this time with him, and we dream about having that kind of community. And we like to think, you know, why can't it be so easy for us when it was so easy for them? But if you reread the Gospels, you see quite a few arguments. And it's not that surprising if you go around calling fishermen and fishermen taxes to both follow you. I mean, I dream about community a lot. I love to picture about what a great small group could be. We're doing mission together, supporting one another, sharing our possessions, bearing one another's burdens. But I don't often picture my enemies being there. But that's the kind of kingdom that Jesus is bringing. To quote the poet Michael Bournet, when the saints go marching in, It will not be a parade of the almost perfect. I'm sure the disciples didn't find it easy. I imagine, for example, there's a reason Jesus has to be the one to interrupt and reply to the Pharisees before Peter can give an answer. It's not easy, but we can't become a closed community deciding who is and isn't worthy to be here. When you think about who Jesus is calling to come to him, and who he's asking you to reach and do life together in the kingdom, it's probably not the Geralds. You know, the basically same as friends as us that would fit the group dynamic, that would fit really well into our small group. When we open up the doors of the church for healing and hospitality, it's not just middle-class mums and UK students Jesus is sending. Yes, he wants to reach them, but he also wants to reach the most rejected, and broken and despised people. The church was never meant to be a museum for good people that look like us. We're called to be a hospital for the broken. And when the disciples probably want to say, I've no idea why we're having dinner with Levi, hopefully it doesn't stick, Jesus interrupts and says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. That was good news for you and me in the beginning because we weren't raised on Jewish law. And it's good news for the hurting and the broken and the sick. And it's good news that we've been called to share as we seek the kingdom. And you might be starting to panic now thinking about that really weird colleague or the alcoholic you walked past the other day and hoping, Jesus, please don't be, let that be the one you're pointing me to. But it's okay It's all right, we don't have to panic about it because Jesus isn't calling you to be the doctor. He's just asking you to sit at the same table as the tax collector and him, the saviour. It is hard. It's really hard and really messy when broken people are welcomed into a church. We're not good with change. There's going to be vomit. Probably going to be a few needles in the bin. Arguments and not many thank yous but we're never going to be alone. We don't need to be the healer on our own. We just need to remember that he is always with us to the very end of the age. And maybe that night, Peter had a hard time looking Levi in the eye. But he watched Jesus make conversation with him, show compassion for him, 
care for him. So when you've got your enemy at the table, pray to the healer that sees them as made in his image when you can't and is transforming them, even if it's slower than you would like. Ask for eyes to see and power to heal and a soft heart. You just be the disciple, Peter, wondering which wacky character Jesus is bringing along next and how on earth this is possibly going to work. Pray a little harder to the doctor who's come to call the sick. Disciples of Jesus with me in the room, we're going to have to repent because if we're honest, we've not always welcomed the sinner. We found our little gang of three other fishermen and we're happy with it. We don't want the church to change. We don't want our little small group to change. We don't want that guy here. If we want to see the kingdom of heaven come on earth, we need to change. Repenting is about turning in a new direction. So let's just resolve to go in a new direction. Be the disciples that love our enemies, that welcome the ones that society rejects. When you think of the disciples, Think of the fisherman and the fisherman taxer and ask, who can I only love with the help of Christ? And then pray for forgiveness and the strength to turn this around and try again. One more perspective I want to try and get our eyes in this morning. The Pharisees. I don't know what you think of when you see the Pharisees come up as you're reading through a gospel. It's easy to dismiss the teachers of the law out of hand and be like, oh, those are the bad guys, here they come. They often come across that way, but let's see them from their perspective. They've studied the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, comprehensively. They probably have several parts of it memorized. They were scrutinizing, harsh and legalistic, yeah, but at the same time, the Pharisees were the best people in the whole country. They were the holy men who kept the law. They pursued purity with a passion, and they wanted nothing more than to live lives that pleased God. They were the kinds of people that you would want in a church. Much better than those nasty sinners, prostitutes, and the like, who directly and unmistakably break the law God gave. They're clean and holy and pure. They're the good guys, actually. And they're at the table with Jesus, too. And he's been saying some good things lately in the synagogues, and maybe they like him a bit. We haven't got to the crucify him stage of the gospel yet, but eating with tax collectors, that's a bit much, Jesus. Maybe we should just ask him a question about that and see if he wants to change his mind. It's not the only time you see Jesus getting asked these kinds of questions. Let me just take you through a few of the other questions that they ask. Why does this man speak like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Why did the John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath when the disciples are picking heads of grain, this was? Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. Anyone picked up a pattern yet? They're not really asking a question. I mean, they feel like they're just looking for, oh yes, I can see that I am in the wrong. Um, I, I would, I'll change my mind about this. Like when my wife Emily says, why are you putting that plant there? She's not interested 
in my reasoning for putting the plant there. She's not expecting to learn from my answer about my creative design for the plant being here. No, she just wants me to know that's not where the plant's going. (laughs) See, these Pharisees, they've got a preconceived idea of how it should be. And they're very happy to spend time with Jesus, even listen to his teaching for a bit. But they're not very happy about a few of the things he's saying. There's some of it they can get on board with, but wasting ointment that could have been used to help the poor. Mm. Having dinner with people like that, come on now, Jesus. And they're just trying to do their bit. They understand the Old Testament better than this Jesus does. He's only 30 years old at this point. We've been around much longer. And they just want to correct his understanding a little bit. If, If Jesus could just do it this way, that would work better. I mean, that's how we've been doing it for a few centuries now. Does that seem familiar to anyone? I mean, those that have been around a church long enough can think of a Pharisee figure, someone pointing out how things should be done differently, reminding us how we've done it, or saying, if we go down that path, we're really at risk of becoming unbiblical. We can think of them because they're sat in our seat right now. (laughs) You know, my prayers so often are, Jesus, come on now. Can't you see how much better my way of doing this would be? Or maybe yours has been, what do you mean spend a year in singleness before finding a spouse? Come on now, Jesus. I'm just going to get started. Or maybe they've even been, can't you see this bit in Jeremiah 29, 11, God? It says right here, plans to prosper me. Let me quote it back to you. <laughs> you know, even if it's not direct to Jesus, you're at this church today rather than a Catholic church or a Quaker meeting. You have an idea about how it should be done. But are you sure that it's all Jesus' thoughts? That you wouldn't be the one at the table asking, why does that person get to be here when they clearly don't do it right and they're still sinning? Just think back to the fishermen and the fisherman taxer. Are you sure you don't have a list of characteristics that you would want in a church member? And I'm not saying that doctrine is bad. And I'm not saying that understanding the teachings of Jesus won't lead us to have convictions. There's a little bit of pride crept in. Have we become a healthy, righteous person surrounded by other sinners? Or other sinful denominations? Well, there's good news for healthy, righteous people like me that don't need a doctor whose rules and ways of doing things keep Jesus in check. We see the word sinner used only one more time in Mark. And this time it's actually from Jesus' lips. And it's in the Garden of Gethsemane. As he's about to be led away to his death on the cross, with acceptance of what's to come, he says this. The hour has come. Look. The Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. And which sinners is he talking about? Who is it walking up the hill? It's the teachers of the law, among them Pharisees. So think once more, who were the sinners sat with the tax collectors at the table with Jesus? Even the Pharisees got invited. 
I have to look at myself as I was preparing this and realize I know Jesus oh so well, but I need to realize he's invited me to the table. It's me, the sinner, that's welcomed there. Even the Son of Man was delivered into my hands to be crucified. As he was led away from the garden, it was me in the crowd crying out, crucify him. It was my pride that mocked him and called out, hail king of the Jews, as again and again he was struck on the head with a staff and he was spit on. It was my hatred for enemies that nailed his hands into that cross and pushed him up between two criminals. My sin that he took upon himself on the cross. Our sin. And knowing that we would do all of that to him, he would say, hey, come for a meal with me. Why don't you sit down at the table with us? There's some fishermen here. Some fishermen taxes too. Pharisees, teachers of the law. There might be prostitutes at this table. The churchgoers and the people that really hurt you. There might be masters and slaves at this table. And he would say, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here, Tim. He would say, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. This is my blood shed for you upon the cross. You know, Jesus died for your sin whether it was financial greed or anger at fishermen taxes, terrible pride or self-righteous views, it doesn't matter because he buried it there and he raised us up with himself to be a disciple of Christ, seeing the kingdom of heaven come to tax collectors and sinners and Pharisees and inviting people to the table to remember what he's done for us. Jesus says, come, I've prepared a feast for you and you're welcome. Whether like Levi, you feel despised and guilty for your own decisions or rejected. He says, come, I've prepared the table for you. Or like the disciples, you've realized you're not loving all of your neighbors. He says, come, I've prepared a table for you. Or a Pharisee convinced of your own righteousness and your own strength. He says, come, I've prepared a table for you. If you want a practical application, who are you inviting for dinner this week? The tax collector, the disciples, the Pharisees? Some of you might be thinking, I'm not ready for an enemy at my table. Pray for your heart to be softened. Some of you might be thinking, I haven't got the space. Is this a story of when they met at Jesus' house? There's other places to go. 
Some of you couldn't do it alone. Find some other disciples to join you and get the tax collector to invite their friends. But before we go and invite others, making this about what we can do, how we can be like Jesus, let's accept Jesus' invitation to us to come to him again. We've got a song that we're going to use to respond and the invitation to come to the Lord's table for communion. Because all of the sinners, the fishermen taxes, the Pharisees and disciples are welcome at this table. Anyone who's accepted Jesus as their saviour, this is his body broken for you. And maybe during the peace, there's a fisherman taxer that you need to go and ask for forgiveness from. Or a fisherman taxer you need to go and forgive. Jesus knew it wasn't going to be easy for us to get along in community, and, and that's okay. Ask for his help to forgive. This one isn't a very clean table. There's too many tax collectors and sinners here. And maybe if it has been coming across clean, maybe there's some people missing that should be here. So we're going to have a time of response. Let's use this time to recognise where Jesus is saying, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And let's come back to Jesus. Let's accept his invitation to come, no matter who we are. And let's receive his forgiveness afresh. He's not come to call the righteous, but sinners.